guy, I very rarely carry an umbrella with me, okay? <laughs> I just, it's not something that's on my radar. That's why I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm so thankful for, for the ladies that keep us guys from, from, from making a, hu- a huge mess of things. And, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm not thinking about an umbrella. I'm just going out and I'm living life. But, man, when the rain comes, it's nice to have one. It's nice to be prepared in that way. But we don't like storms when we're caught out in them. But as terrible as it may be to be caught out in a storm without an umbrella, get drenched, drenched, if you will, I think even more, <laughs> even more troubling sometimes, even, even more shaking to our very core is those storms that aren't necessarily with rain and wind, but those storms that we experience spiritually. Those storms that we experience emotionally. Those storms that we experience in the, in the form of problems, in the form of trials, in the form of difficulties, they can often catch us unprepared. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I find myself in a storm like that, I have the attitude that David did in Psalm 55 when he said in verse 6, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape, my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. Sometimes I run into a storm like that, and, and I heard a preacher say it one time, either you're in a storm, you're just coming out of one, or you're about to get into one. I'm like, man, that, that, that's, that's really encouraging right there, preacher. I appreciate that. But that really is, is a lot of times the, the reality in which we live. We live in a broken world. We live in a sin-cursed world, and with that brokenness, with that sin, come trials, come problems, come difficulties. But I'm so glad to tell you tonight, there is a God in heaven. And I'm glad to tell you tonight that he is in perfect and complete control when it comes to the circumstances and when it comes to the storms in our life. And I'm also glad to tell you that we serve a God that does not sit up in heaven and get kicks out of torturing or tormenting his children. He's not up there in heaven saying, oh man, what kind of storm can I send them? <laughs> what kind of situation can I send their way <laughs> to really trip them up? Oh man, angels, come and check this one out. I'm, I'm a, he has no idea what's coming. I'm about to hit him with a doozy. That's not the God we serve at all. In fact, we serve a God that <laughs> is a God of compassion. Well, we serve a God who is up to something in our life. And I want you to realize tonight that there is not a storm in your life that is there by accident. There is not a storm and not a difficulty, not a trial in your life wherein God is not trying to accomplish something in your life. If I can say it this way, there's no such thing as a wasted storm. No such thing. Because God is always up to something. And tonight, I, I was going to, to look at four different storms, but I want to just focus on one that we find here in Matthew chapter 14. And really, there's a lot of different reasons why God may allow a storm into our lives, and I'll, I'll kind of summarize the other ones for you. There's one that we find in Jonah chapter number one. And that's when God's man, that's when the preacher decided, instead of obeying God, instead of going the way God wants me to go, I, I think I'm going to go the opposite direction. And God sometimes has to allow a storm in our lives called what I like to call the wake-up storm. One to get our attention. One to say, hey, wake up, sleeper. You're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong direction. Warning, warning, hello. Turn around before it's too late. And really, that wake-up storm is one we bring upon ourselves. You realize that? we Sometimes we bring our storms upon ourselves sometimes. <laughs> we, we bring our problems upon ourselves. 
If we would just obey the Lord, if we just follow him, we wouldn't have these wake-up storms. But sometimes, because he loves us, he allows a storm into our life to get our attention. To say, hey, buddy, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> Excuse me, this is, this, this, this is going to end really poorly if you don't listen to me. Sometimes God sends storms into our lives so that he can show himself strong in our life. To show up for us. And sometimes it's not because God hates us. It's not because he's, he's trying to make us miserable. But like we see in Mark chapter 4, sometimes God allows a storm into our lives because he wants to show himself strong in our lives. He sent the disciples into a boat. He sent them across to the other side, and he was right there in the boat with them. He knew the storm that they were going to go into. But he also knew that they needed to get to the end of themselves. And when rowing wasn't working, and when bailing wasn't working, because the boat was now full, they had to turn to the only one that they could, and that was Jesus. Because he was right there in the boat the, the whole time. Isn't it funny how sometimes he's our last resort? Sometimes when we've <laughs> exhausted everything that we know what to do, and we've asked all our friends and asked all our people that, 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 that might have an idea, and we, 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 we come to the end of ourselves and say, oh, wait a minute, maybe we ought to ask Jesus what he thinks about this situation. I'm so glad that God will sometimes allow us to, to be humbled in our lives. He'll allow a storm into our lives to, to help us to realize that we need to see him. And sometimes God allows storms into our lives, and we see this one in the book of Acts. He allows a speak-up storm, I like to call it. In Acts 27, old Paul was in a storm. And this wasn't a storm of his own making. No, he tried to warn the ones that were taking him. He was trying to warn the ones that, <laughs> that were going to take him to Caesar, were going to take him to Rome and say, hey, don't set sail. It's, gonna be, it's not going to end well. But Paul was a prisoner. And who cares what a prisoner has to say? You're not in charge here, buddy. <laughs> and they set sail. The, the east wind blew softly. We're going to be just fine. We don't have to listen to what this crazy man says. We're going to set sail. We're going to do our own thing. And here comes the storm. A storm that was so bad, the Bible gave it a name. <laughs> the Oracle. Violent agitation. And they're stuck in this storm. I mean, they're doing everything that they can think to do. They're throwing stuff overboard. They're, 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 they're freaking out. And for day after day after day, they don't see the sun, they don't see the stars, they don't see the moon. There's nothing but storm. And the Bible says they got to a place where all hope that they should be saved was gone forever. And then the Bible says Paul got to stand up. <laughs> Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. <laughs> and he had the opportunity to witness. He had the opportunity to turn an entire boat full of of lost souls. And was able to point them to the Savior. At the beginning of the story, they didn't care what he had to say, but at the end of the story, oh, they were, they were hanging on every word. <laughs> God used his storm and made a pulpit out of it. Now, I, I like a good pulpit. I like a good pulpit. I mean, this, this is a decent, you know, good Dwight Smith-sized pulpit right here. And praise the Lord for it. We need Dwight Smith-sized pulpits, but right there, I'm telling you, that's, that, I told Pastor, that's one of the manliest pulpits I've ever seen right there. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we don't like it, but God's saying, I'm trying to build you a pulpit. I'm trying to give you a platform to praise me and to lift me up and to point people to me in a way you never would be able to otherwise. 
had it not been for this church. Let's speak up, church. But here for a few moments, I want to show you the grow-up story in Matthew 14. Matthew 14 and, and verse number 22 is where we will begin reading. And so I hope you found that in your Bibles. And in Matthew 14 and verse 22, the Bible says this. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, the, Jesus went out unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. you got to give the disciples a little bit of slack here, because they, they, they had really been through it. Right before this story takes place, we see that Jesus performs the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And so these disciples, they had been with Jesus and they had been walking with Jesus and hiked up the mountain with Jesus and had been sitting and listening to him preach. And anybody knows if you sit and listen to preaching long enough, on Sunday afternoon lunch is coming. <laughs> the belly starts rumbling a little bit. It's like, you're giving me nothing but coffee today. Where's lunch? And the day was far spent, and it was getting towards the evening. It was getting late, and, 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 and they couldn't just send the people away. Many of them had come for many miles, and they were afraid they would faint along the way. And so Jesus says, go feed them. <laughs> Give them something to eat. And you know the story. The disciples are looking at each other. How in the world are we supposed to do this? Even if we had the food, how are we supposed to, 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 to feed all these people? Even if we had the money to go and buy the food, how are we supposed to make that work? We don't even have the money. There's no way. It's impossible. Maybe they started going out amongst the crowd and saying, hey, has anybody got any food? Anybody got any food? And uh, you can always rely on the teenage boys when it comes to having food. <laughs> there was a lack of five barley loaves and two fish. Enough for himself. And he was going to give it to Jesus. And Jesus took that and he, he, he blessed it and he broke it and he multiplied it and, and fed the whole crowd of Again, these disciples, they've been up all day. They've been listening to preaching. They've been hiking up this mountain, and now they're distributing food. Now they're handing out food to, to all these people. And this is, this is one of the greatest buffets in all of human history, I tell you. I like, I like me a good buffet. Praise the Lord for it. When, when you can go up and get some food, and then you're so hungry, go up and get you another plate. And I'm telling you, everybody was eating, and everybody ate until they were full, <laughs> and they were satisfied, and there were 12 baskets left over. It was hard work feeding 5,000 men, 12 women and children. Now Jesus sends the multitudes away and he tells them to get in the boat. And this time Jesus is not in the boat with them. He goes up into the mountain to pray. And, and now the disciples are, are what, what should have been just a short journey across the sea has now, they now encounter some water. They encounter some wind and they encounter some resistance. And the Bible tells us that Jesus goes out to them in the sea in the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. So now they've been up all day, they've been hiking, they've been serving, they've been ministering, they've been feeding people, and now they've been rowing for their very lives all night long. And so when Jesus shows up, <laughs> they think he's a ghost. Can you see him there as they're rowing? And they're, uh, one of the disciples, he kind of wipes his eyes and he looks out and he says, wait a minute, you don't see that? 
that must be crazy. And he goes back to rowing, but then he, he looks up again, and there it is again. Y'all see that over there? It looks like there's a person on top. We don't know what you're talking about, Peter. There's nobody out there. We're in the middle of the sea, and there's waves, and there's wind. You're just, you're just seeing things, man. You're getting delirious. And then another disciple sees it. It's a ghost. <laughs> they're, they're losing their minds. Ah, we're going to die. I mean, <laughs> now we're seeing things. <laughs> and then the ghost talks. Verse 40 says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. <laughs> it is I. Be not afraid. You ever had somebody... <laughs> You know, maybe you're, you're going through a storm. You're having a rough day. Let's just hit you with a, hey, cheer up, man. Where's that smile at? <laughs> all things work together for good. I mean, just, just cheer up. <laughs> it's all good. I'm telling you, the power of this be of good cheer was in the next words. It is I. Because no matter what you're going through, man, When you have Jesus, you don't have to be in despair. Even when the storm is blowing the hardest, even when the night is the darkest, even when it seems like there's no hope left, if you have Jesus, you have hope. He says, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then old Peter speaks up. <laughs> you can always count on Peter to say something. Sometimes it was the it was the right thing. <laughs> Sometimes he was sticking his foot in his mouth, but Peter would always speak up. Verse twenty one, and Peter answered him and said, "Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water." And he said, <laughs> I, 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 "This is one of those those moments I." I hope there's instant replay on this. This is one of those ones I love to, to, to rewind the tape and, and watch this one tonight. I don't know what Peter was thinking. <laughs> maybe he was a little out of his mind. Maybe he wanted to put Jesus to the test. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know exactly what he was thinking, but he, he out he blurts with, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come. be hard on Peter. We know the rest of the story. We know what happens to him. But let me tell you something. There are 11 other, other disciples in that boat that weren't saying, I'll go with you, Peter. <laughs> no, they were saying, you, you go ahead, buddy. You're the one that opened your mouth. <laughs> You're the one that inserted foot. I mean, we'll pray for you. You got this, though, buddy. They were staying in the boat. <laughs> but can you imagine? Peter stands up in the boat, lifts his foot over the side, and steps out on the water, and he's doing well. <laughs> I mean, he's walking to Jesus. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to Jesus. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing that, that he was able to, to do, do something that, I, as far as I know, nobody else in human history has ever been able to do. I tried it as a kid. We had a pool. You know, I tried to 
you know, get the, get the boogie board out there. I tried to walk on water. It didn't work for me. I sank every time. I said, why should I do this? Then we know what happens, verse number 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now here's the point I want to make to you tonight, and I'll be as quick as possible. This storm right here I like to call the grow up. Sometimes God's got to bring a storm in our life. He's got to bring some difficulties in our life. He's got to allow some trials in our life to shake us up. To get us to a place where we can grow. Peter had seen the miraculous before. He had just seen it earlier that day or the, the previous day, if you will. He had just seen Jesus take a little boy's lunch and feed a multitude. But Jesus said, I have some lessons to teach you, Peter, that I can't teach you on dry land. I have some lessons to teach you, Peter, that I can't teach you when your belly's full. Peter, I got some lessons to teach you that I cannot teach you when you have it under control. I got to get you out in the storm. I mean, if you think about it in your life, if you think about the times perhaps where, where God has been so real to you, you think about perhaps those times where, where the Bible has come alive, you think about those times where you've taken those great leaps of, of spiritual growth, and I hope that you have those times. When you think about it, it's often in the midst of storms, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of terrible circumstances that God is able to grow us. Because God had plans for Peter. I said God had plans for Peter. <laughs> he had plans for the Peter of Pentecost to be able to stand up and preach and 5,000 people. I don't know about you, but that, that'd make my whole career right there. I'd be like, I, I, I can die happy. 5,000 in one day. Wow, that's amazing. But before Peter could ever stand up on Pentecost and preach and 5,000 trust Christ in one day, he had to learn something out in the middle of the storm. And listen, God is about growth. He's about growth in our life, and he's not about just making our lives easy and making our lives comfortable. And any preacher that tells you that that's what God's all about, that he's about just blessing you and making everything easy, and if you just love him and obey him and, and, and you know, give me some money, then God's going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams, and you'll have boats and houses and mansions and yachts and th that they're full of baloney. <laughs> but God's not about spoiling us and, and, and just making our lives easy. Now, let me tell you something. He does spoil us. But he's about making something useful out of our life <laughs> and something beautiful. And something useful and something beautiful often has to go through the fire before it can get us. Not a storm is wasted. And he had, he had, a, he had a, a purpose for Peter in that. Because before Pentecost, Peter had to be sinking beneath the waves. <laughs> before he could ever preach at Pentecost, we see Peter removing ears. <laughs> Put this on. 
before we can ever get to Pentecost, we see perhaps one of the, the, the sternest and harshest rebukes in the Bible where Jesus looked at Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Whew. Before there was a Peter at Pentecost, there was Peter the denier of Christ. Not once, not twice, but three times. Cursing and swearing, I never knew you. There was Peter who said, I'm going back to I believe that right here in this storm that God taught Peter a very valuable and a life-changing lesson and one that would stick with him for the rest of his life. And this is the lesson I believe that we need to learn. Peter, if you'll keep your eyes on me, you can do the impossible. The second he got his eyes off, Jesus started looking at, whoa, that's a, whoa, that's a big wave coming. Whoa, the, the rain is kind of blowing sideways. I mean, it's, it's kind of treacherous out there. The second he got his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to sink. And I'm so glad that when he cries out in the end of verse 10, he said, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus didn't say, what are you doing? You were just walking on water. What is wrong with you? telling you, I, I'm about done with your weakness and about done with your pain. <sighs> I'm going to let him splash around a little bit, and then, and then I'll pull him back up. No, no, immediately he reached out his hand and touched the water. <laughs> I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what storms you may be weathering, what storms you may be coming out of, what storms you may be headed into, but let me tell you something. God is up to something in your life. And we may never understand why. We may never on this side of eternity see the reason why the storms are here. But let me tell you something. You can trust the one that is the master of the wind and the master of the sea. You can trust him. And instead of us praying, Lord, would you just take it away? Would you just make all the storms stop? Maybe we should be praying, Lord, would you teach me? Lord, would you grow me? Lord, would you show yourself strong on my behalf? Lord, would you give me an opportunity to praise you all the more? sinking beneath the waves of sin. Your need tonight isn't to understand the storm, but your need tonight is to realize that the one, the only one that can get you through the storms of life, his name is Jesus Christ. The only one that can give peace that passes understanding is Jesus Christ. The only one that can rescue your soul from the, from the hell that it rightly deserves, and we all deserve hell. We all deserve hell because of our sin, but the only one that can reach out and can save you, his name is Jesus. And if you'll call out to him tonight, Lord, save me. If you'll confess your sin, you'll realize that it's only him. It's not your good works. It's not your baptism. It's not your church attendance that's going to get you there. It's only by realizing, as Peter did, I am helpless and hopeless, and I'm going to die. And the only one that can save me, his name is Jesus. If you'll cry out to him immediately, he'll save your soul. What do we do when the storms of life come? Run to Jesus. Sometimes the storms make us run from Jesus. Let me tell you something. When the storms are coming, that's not the time to get out of church. 
And when the storms are raging, that's not the time to push away brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> when, that, when the storm's raging, that's not the time to ignore calls from pastors. It's the time to run to him. And whatever storm you may be facing tonight, you run to Jesus. And let me tell you something, it's not going to make the storm any less real, per se. But Jesus offers peace in the middle of the storm. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 26 and verse number 4, and I'll close with this. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace who doesn't have any storms. Isn't that a nice little verse? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in the Lord. Trust ye in the Lord always. For in the Lord Jehovah is our great strength. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that even in the midst of our storms, you're not any less God. You're not any less in control. And I pray, Lord, for your people tonight. I'm sure <laughs> there are many of us, Lord, who are, who are struggling with some storms. Lord, saying, why? Why do I have to go? Why do I have to go through this? How? How in the world am I supposed to survive this? that we would obey, we would run to him, and we would find that peace that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the encouragement. And, Lord, we even... Uh, even in difficulties, we thank you for the storms that we do go through. And Lord, I pray that you help us to understand that they're for a purpose. And Lord, we just thank you for what we heard tonight. Pray, Lord, that you will help us throughout this week to be what we need to be. Pray you keep uh, just uh, tender care over all of our kids this week. Watch over the counselors and the helpers this week. And bless our church family. Bless the speakers as they're preaching to our kids, bless the ministries that we have here. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you do. I pray that you continue to guide us and work in our hearts and help us, Lord, to be quick to deal with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and do exactly what you would have us to do. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.